I studied at Oxford, but I did not graduate. You can be wealthy, smart, talented, attractive, whatever, but hey, you're still gonna get ill. I'm not sure tech company really means anything anymore. This is just a going to be one of the defining problems of the next 50 years. I just think people give up too early. If Taylor Swift would like to take on a new challenge. Um, so we got arrested twice. Welcome to the Breaking Uneven podcast. We love to talk shop, uncover the beauty of failures, and play a few games. Today we have with us the founder of Even, Mayank Banerjee, a dough expert at Domino's, audit associate at KPMG, graduate of Oxford, co-founder of Compass News, associate at Entrepreneurs First, and finally the co-founder of Even Healthcare. Mayank, have we missed anything? No, I think that's great. Two things. Yes, I'm the co-founder, not the founder, and I'm sadly not a graduate. I studied at Oxford, but I did not graduate. So yeah, I'm sure that's, uh, yeah, that's a whole other story, um, which I'm sure we might get into. But other than that, no, really, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, excited to be here. Amazing. Yeah, we definitely uh, need to delve deeper into um, all the background to it. But first, let's hear a bit more about... Um, even but we'll do that with a smaller game sounds good so we call this the twitter pit challenge which now has become a working title because we either need to change it to x or threads or something um but anyway twitter is historically known for its 280 character limit which sometimes makes it a little difficult to say exactly what you want um it takes about 20 seconds to speak to 80 characters and so we're going to transfer that challenge to you which is to explain to us even in 20 seconds but it's not that easy. You also need to use one emoji and one hashtag. Got it. Uh, so if you've got the gist, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a quick little stop yeah, pause. Yeah. You can tell me when you're ready. So three, two, one, go. Okay. Um, even is an attempt to combine health insurance with healthcare. Hospital emoji. That's the thing. That counts. <laughs> um, our view is. Actually, health insurance should be about keeping you out of hospital and not just paying for you when something bad happens. Our bet is by focusing on keeping you healthy, we can make the premiums cheaper for you as the customer. We can make more money for the insurer and hopefully we can keep our members happier and healthier too. Hashtag. Hashtag. Feel free. That's our corporate hashtag, I think. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Let's go with feel free. So you went well over 20 seconds, unfortunately. Um, but I think we still uh, got I speak the very slowly. You'll just say, hey, count out the, <laughs> the words. I speak very slowly. But no, no. Amazing. Um, but I mean, before we get into even, you've had like a, an amazing um, variety in like your career generally. Like when people um, start in like that professional uh career they generally stick to an industry throughout or at least try to and like it's difficult to make those switches but you've been moving around quite a bit so how did you do that and like what was the reason for all the move around uh yeah good question um i think my end goal has always been roughly the same right which is how do you hopefully end up having 
some kind of positive impact for as many people um, as possible in a short period of time. I think the the journey has been okay. I'm going to probably exclude uh, the the finest moments of my career, dominoes from this. That probably wasn't like a core part of it. But yeah, since since then, basically after college, it was a case of trying to build a journalism platform that helped you be better informed about the world around you. Because I believe that that would be how you do interesting things. Um, then I actually worked in politics for a bit, um, but that one was like kind of consulting. Uh, realized that hey, I don't think necessarily a lot of politicians have a huge amount of impact, which is deeply frustrating. Um, then worked in a venture capital thing. Um, that was honestly as a it was part time. It was a stopgap to while I was working on something like Even, which, as I said, is kind of a a goal, which is India has a bunch of healthcare costs on one side. India has a bunch of money available to pay for healthcare on the other. Those scales, or well, that scale is not really balanced. So how do you even it out? Uh, and yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do. Uh, starting off, I'll be honest, it's, it's a product for relatively affluent people right now. But eventually we want it to be truly, truly mass market. And yeah, that's the goal. It's interesting to see like how you mentioned like the end goal was like consistent um, throughout even like the experiences were so different from each other. Um, but yeah, back to what you said about Oxford. So you you were studying at Oxford, which by the way, I love the campus. Like I've visited it a couple of times. It's a really like nice city. But um, what was the reason to not drop uh to not graduate or drop out of oxford uh i was naive and i thought i would end up doing a startup that would end up doing amazing things i.e compass <laughs> news um yeah big big naivety i also think uh, i'd met my friends i'd learned a bunch of stuff didn't really need a piece of paper um that said i was graduating there i knew i was never gonna do a corporate job um like my experience at KPMG had made me realize that I was not suited for that kind of world. So yeah, here I am. So I have a very pointed question, which is when you had uh, your, your your personal LinkedIn description for your time at Compass News was to build a sustainable business model in journalism. And yeah. so let's say what is what was the most idealistic version of a sustainable business model in journalism? Uh, so no, good question. I think... The idealistic version is people, it, it moves away from being ad supported, which incentivizes certain behavior to one that is more subscription supported and where people pay with their direct money. And I think the Guardian is actually a really good example. If you know about them, yeah. the Guardian newspaper, it is free, right? Um, uh, completely free for all. And I think they're pretty clear on how they always want that to be the case. However, they, there is so much goodwill towards the Guardian that they do donations um, and actually they're able to get enough supporters, memberships, whatever you want to call it, that supports it. And to me, the like if the quality of journalism is so high, people will support it with their wallets. Um, and that might only be like a tiny niche of people, but actually that might be enough to build a sustainable enterprise where the incentive is always to produce amazing work that people want to support. Right. Yeah. And as a supporter, like Wikipedia, right. I donate to Wikipedia, not because, um, I need to, but because I think it's a good thing. Um, 
And actually me donating means that it's free for everyone else. And I think, you know what, that's worth it. And there's enough people like that out there to support that piece. Yeah. And I think, you know, on the other side of it, where you have, I don't know if you've come across the platform called the information. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think they're, they're quite good in terms of the model of, you know, being able to charge a large amount of money. It's not a cheap subscription in any way, shape or form. Well, so, I mean, that's the thing, right? Um, I think that the downside of the journalism kind of paywall stuff is, I don't know about you, but I don't pay for the information. I think it's too expensive and I can't justify yeah. it um, for myself at least. Uh, and that means that some of the amazing stories that they do are restricted to the audience that can pay for them, right? I think Bloomberg is a news service effectively that's like, yeah, what, $20,000, right? And it's restricted to the financial elite and you need it in order to realistically take part in the financial markets. I think just how ad supported has bad incentives, I think purely subscription supported also has bad incentives. Um, it limits, like if you actually believe knowledge is power and information should be shared widely, subscription and paywall journalism has some downsides as well. That's why I'm saying that things like The Guardian and Wikipedia, like you kind of said, what is the ideal version? It is something where, hey, the incentives are around people want to support this because they think it's so great, but actually they're also okay with the idea of, you know, it being so good that, hey, I want this to be publicly available for all. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so you were in the um, journalism space and then eventually came into the healthcare space. So what necessarily attracted you to this space? Uh, sure. So healthcare is just something that's really important, right? Like, uh, I think it's something that I've had family history with where unfortunately people that I really, really care about, unfortunately, have passed away from things that could, if not avoided, just through bad luck, right? Um, and that's really terrible. And I think it's a very good leveler right? I mean, you can be wealthy, smart, talented, attractive, whatever, but hey, you're still going to get ill. You can still, bad things can still happen to you. And I think, how do you, how do you create a world where everyone is able to get access to the kind of healthcare that I'd want my parents to get, right? If they ever needed it. And that's the goal. Um, that might take you a few decades, but that's roughly how I'm very much planning on spending the next few decades. Fair enough. So it comes from a very like personal standpoint as well, right? And then um, I think we've also seen a lot of uh, businesses try out the digital health healthcare space. We've had some of the founders on our podcast as well. So how is even necessarily differentiating amongst the rest in the market? And like, what is different about your um, business, mo uh, business model? Sure. Um, so, I mean, I don't really think about it as digital healthcare, right? I, I actually think, I'm not sure tech company really means anything anymore. Um, we, yeah, you're just saying your tech is really just a historical thing if you're trying to get a higher valuation multiple, but it doesn't really, no one really yeah. cares what is the problem that you're solving because you're doing it through tech. It's like, are you actually solving the problem? Um, so yeah, we see ourselves as, as a healthcare company. Um, and I think the difference about us is we try and do a lot ourselves, right? So a lot of people are like building a singular platform layer or whatever they want to call it um, that does one tiny piece of the puzzle. We are kind of working with insurers. We are, we have our own doctors. We do B2C, we do B2B. 
our thing is we go where where people are and we try and build them a better service and an experience um for them we have we started off purely online but now we actually have our own offline centers and diagnostic centers so yeah it's it's pretty broad in scope now so given that you know uh, even as in a in a in a long tail kind of business which in india could be a very strong proposition right as you said currently you're for the affluent but eventually you want to make it mass market uh which of your let's say marketing strategies do you hold most important to you to accomplish that goal uh i think i don't know yet right we will the marketing strategies will change um you will i think you might find something that works and it might work for a few months you make the most of it while it works for those few months and then you something out then that um that channel will become saturated because everyone else is doing it and then you have to find a new one and i think more than that it's how do you i think are there certain things that we don't want to do so i think with something like um insurance and healthcare uh a lot of the ways that it's often sold is fear i think we do not want to be an organization that sells based on fear right um i think that is at least for us internally quite important who knows i hope that doesn't change but at least for now i think that's really really important yep. um how ex- and we want to always stress that we are just as much of a healthcare company as mu- as we are an insurance kind of entity and therefore for us it's talking about the healthcare and the benefits of keeping you healthy is more important than um oh shit if something you know this is how much your cancer treatment will cost and whatever interesting so in a you know there's <clears throat> if you consider other markets where you, like the USA or the UK uh they're historically known to have a very large chunk of their annual healthcare spends as you know wasted efficiencies etc yeah. uh and compared to india the costs there are also much much higher even if you take into account purchases and power parity so would yeah. something like an even could you make it work in in a market like the usa or the uk yeah 100% um it's just something that i think we're laser focused on india i think that i think if your our goal as a company as i said right is to find a way to cut down healthcare costs so you can make you know universal healthcare more affordable i think india is where this problem is particularly extreme right now but if you fast forward 20 years every single um country in the world that has any kind of welfare state will be trying to deal with this problem right uh, actually hey shit our populations are getting older they're getting more and more ill how do we afford to pay for all this um i think this is just a going to be one of the defining problems of the next 50 years um other than climate change honestly so yeah it's something that's really i think it can help i think we're pretty focused on india right now yeah, fair enough um and even like um india specifically in the healthcare space or even in the insurance space it's quite difficult to break into so what was your um journey regarding that like how was were you like trying to educate yourself on how to like break into the space or because it's quite a stringent space and also very uh like old tradition in a way to like get into with a new perspective so how is that uh hard 
<laughs> and you know, we're still, it's, it's still very, very hard. Um, I think so much of this is just, you just have to keep trying. Right. Um, like it's, it, yes, doing difficult things is hard. Shock horror. Um, I think that the most important thing is to just keep trying and eventually, right. It took us, we're now two and a half years in, we're still very early. We're still trying to figure it out. But I think now partners are taking us more seriously and it, things are becoming easier. And part of the reason for that is because you haven't given up after the first six months. Would you just say then being persistent is key in like an industry that sort of, because it's not only that it's hard in India, like I've, uh, I work on the consulting part of um, insurance, uh, like I've seen it from even like the UK space, like overall insurance and um, that part is just difficult to deal with because of so many regulations or so many things that are in place. So like for you at even, was it just being persistent uh, with like your either like your vendors or the um, insurance companies or um, your clients to like get through all those barriers to like make it and be able to build where even currently is? Um, I would definitely say, yeah, I just think people give up too early. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really straightforward. I think, um, yeah, especially like the more, and this has been particularly relevant for me because like you said at the start, right. I've bounced around, I, a fair bit. Um, and so as a result, I think when you come into a new industry, everyone thinks, a, you're a moron and B, you'll give up in a few months. So they're not going to take you seriously at the start. And then after maybe a year, they're like, wow, you're, you're pretty consistent. Yeah, you're uh, persistent as well. So yeah, I think you just have to keep going. I guess people are also just like trying to test your patience, right? Yes. Like to see like how far you actually go. But yeah, no, fair point. So tell us this, man. You know, you've been on other podcasts before. Um, and And since you know... You know, you, you know the kind of back and forth. I'm sure there's one question that you're always hoping the hosts ask you. Or if you had to, if you had to tell us to ask you one question, what would it be? Um, hmm. I don't know, man. That's a good one. What is the question that I, what is the word that I would like to get out of there? We are looking for uh, brand ambassadors. And <laughs> if Taylor Swift would like to take on a new challenge um willing to consider applications from her team and her management i i know she's a bit busy we also have a pretty high standard but i think um yeah i we would be open to the possibility of exploring something there um as long as oh. i can get to the ears tall but to our yeah. 166 followers in case in case anyone can sort that out. Hey, okay, you would be... <laughs> uh, the world yeah. works in mysterious ways. That really should have been the hashtag, right? Swifties <laughs> will free. That works. Let's do that. I think I would like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we already know the power of Swifties. They can literally be their own country at this point. Um, I know, right? And like, come on. I think, hey, if we'll let's do it. We will. I would love to be president of that country. We will donate all the blue balloons that we can for it. It will be <laughs> on the house. So, yeah, very generous like that. Cool. So let's let's go on to our next challenge. Um, it's called Two Lies One Truth. 
uh, very simple, you know, you might have played it over drinks at some point, but the idea is whether it's challenges or achievements or a combination of both, you would be giving us three statements, one, which is an actual truthful statement and two false statements. Uh, we then have to kind of guess which one is the truth. You know what I'm doing? I'm literally opening up my fucking hint. Sorry, I'm not allowed to swear. I'm opening up my hint profile. <laughs> I think I've used this before somewhere. Oh, no. No, that's not there either. Uh, what is it? Let's think. I have swum the English Channel. I hitchhiked from China to France. And... I had a after party with the Game of Thrones stars. I'm going to go with number three. I think that's the truth. Jami? Yeah, I was thinking that as well, but I'll go for... um... I'll go for number two, hitchhiked from China to France. Well, okay, congratulations. Um, you're both right, because I messed it up and I did two truths and a lie, but no, no. Uh, <laughs> damn, woo, everyone's on Yay. Um, yeah, no, so get those two. Um, oh, it was fun. How on earth did you hitchhike from China to France? Yeah. How long did that take you? About six months with great difficulty. Uh, we were 18, my friend and I, uh, went basically along the top of China, uh, into Kazakhstan, through Kazakhstan into Russia, over the top of Russia into Finland. Then when you're in Finland, you go down, you hit Sweden, Denmark, and then you're kind of in the home stretch. So yeah, it was a vibe. Sounds really cool though. It was idiotic at 18. We hit hiking couch surf the what whole was the most? What was the most dangerous part of that journey or the most dangerous wrinkle you ended up in? Uh, so we got arrested twice. Oh. Um, and yeah, I got robbed once. So yeah, it was, it was a vibe. Uh, I think... All of it was dangerous. I would say all of it. I I will say Kazakhstan and Russia were, yeah, a little bit on edge, I think, at various points. But honestly, met some amazing people. Got, I, I don't know if you've ever tried hitchhiking sure. before, but um, and we were couch surfing the whole way as well. And so just lived in some ways off the generosity of others. And I, yeah, if, if you've ever tried hitchhiking before, try standing on the side of the road, smiling at every single car that passes you by. And that's frustrating after five minutes. And the job is to keep smiling. The longest way we had, like five minutes is bad. After half an hour, you get really frustrated. Um, the longest way we had was 17 hours. So that was just like depressing to the max. But wow. eventually a random truck driver stop took us 800 kilometers. So it's it's wild how these things work that's insane i think you were a very adventurous um teenager (laughs) and now i am incredibly boring 
it's very sad. <laughs> I, I would. I don't think I believe that because I feel like even you're boring is pretty adventurous for a lot of people. No, I'm really dull. Like my <laughs> ideal weekend is one with office and Wi-Fi and like no rain. It's I, you know, I'm very happy with my routine. It's a great routine. I enjoy it greatly. Fair enough. But um, yeah, let's move on to our next challenge. It's called the uh, it's called Red Flags. Um, we're gonna give you three hypothetical situations composed of two things that are going great and one thing that's not so great, which is the red flag. Um, you need to assume that all of these are true, and we've adapted these situations to you and even. And you have to pick uh, which of these three situations you would rather be in and tell us why. Um, so yeah, situation one, even has grown to 1000 employees, your active subscription are up 200% from last year, but your pricing and revenue model starts to fall apart at your current scale. Situation two, even has penetrated into the depths of India, the best talent in India wants to work at even but your latest marketing campaign is canceled by social media. And situation three, even has measurably helped uh, improve 5 million lives. You're gearing up for an IPO, but Matilda and Alessandro both uh, decide to leave your company. Okay, from a purely, let's think, from a purely selfish one, the red flag in situation three is kind of bad because I really enjoy spending time with them and it's fun. Uh, and, you know, it's nice to work with your friends. If they decide to leave, however, maybe there's a good reason for it. And I think the kind of social impact for situation three is probably the best so far, right? Like, actually, the rest of it's just like even specific. Who gives a shit? Um, situation <laughs> three is like you've actually done something useful. So I think you probably... So it's the one that's probably the most painful for me personally, um, but clearly the best overall. Um, I mean, IPO, whatever. It's yeah, it'll it'll happen. Um, I think that's probably situation three. What I would like, even if it's not particularly ideal one. I think situation uh, two is just like, oh my god, getting cancelled is the best form of PR, right? Love it. Um, <laughs> vibes oh yeah i would like some fake controversy why not uh, to me cancelled <laughs> implies you probably really didn't do anything that wrong you just handled it poorly that i can handle right uh, if we did something terrible if it was a marketing campaign that got cancelled yeah fine you'll deal with it honestly i think it'll be good in the long run um if you actually did something bad then yeah that's that's a bigger issue yeah. one is just like um yeah, yeah, yeah the one is probably the future but uh hopefully not that's, uh, <laughs> so yeah that's, that's my explainer for those three what did you think i would pick um, i, th I three, think right? yeah i would say three as well because a lot of uh like what we've seen previously is a lot of founders um prioritize the company at their own uh detriment and yeah. like we've seen that quite a bit and we're like it, it makes sense but like sometimes you're like okay like they do actually care about the company more than themselves and like what they want to do and also we've played the thing where like um co-founders leave your company and we always put it as a red flag but i was about to say maybe some people are like finally got rid of them <laughs> amazing <laughs> 
But everyone always twists it and makes it like, oh, but they've done it for, uh, like, there would be a good reason why they've uh, left. We've got that exact response. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I thought thought you'd pick Situation 2 only because of the green flag that even has penetrated into the depths of India. Um, I mean, I think you've got to... Impact a positive impact out of five million people, you'll probably get the other fifty, yeah. maybe even five hundred. It's just time, right? Like, are you willing to grind it out? The other thing with situation two was uh, about the best talent, like you know, the best talent wanting to work with even because I've seen like you know, even is very um, talent focused and people focused internally as well. Um, so I yeah, I think we're trying to be a bit more precise on that though. So we used to say. Um, we would want it to be the best place to work in India. Then realize that means absolutely nothing. Um, it's just <laughs> it's like an easy line to say. I think if anything, you know, what I count as the best um, place to work is probably going to be very different from uh, my mom, right? Or my dad yeah. uh, and so on. Or like, you know, someone me 10 years ago. And I think now we increasingly think about it as, we want to be the place where people do the best work of their life so far. Right. And I will be very honest. The times when I think I've done the best work of my life have been times when I've been working with smart people. Um, I felt like my life wasn't too chaotic. I could like focus on work, but I'm not saying it was ever easy. And actually sometimes it was probably in hindsight, a little bit unpleasant. Like it was stressful. It was hard. Um, But I was doing it with, with amazing people that I like spending time with and we got stuff done. Uh, and that's kind of where I see it. Uh, I think it's very hard to do the best work of your life without some degree of pain. And yeah, that is the reality. At least that's what I think. And, you know, some people might completely disagree and they might be incredibly talented and they might think that's a toxic way to think about things. Maybe they're probably not going to enjoy working with me at least. Fair enough. No, you know, I personally think that only when you push beyond the boundaries of what you think is acceptable in terms of work, at least even for me, that brings out the best in me. Like, for example, if on average I work till 7 p.m. every day, I know that the days where I kind of end up stretching up to 9, 10 p.m., that's when I like really go above and beyond anything I've done before. I don't even think about it as hours, right? I think it's um, like I'm one of the least productive people I know. Um, I will, yeah. Whereas my co-founder, Mati, she will blitz work and be done by six and not need to think about it again. Whereas I will take the same piece of work and finish up at 2 AM because I've spent half the time watching YouTube videos in the middle and just like doing dumb shit. So I don't think it's the, it's the hours. Um, I do think that good people don't realize how great they can be. And I think great people don't realize how hard you have to work to produce great work. Um, so yeah, if people, I think sometimes it's just like reminding people like, Hey, you, like you're amazing. You can do better. And unfortunately that better is a lot of effort. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. So with that thought, let's go to our final segment, which is the rapid fire. So self-explanatory. Uh, quick questions, quick, uh, short-worded answers. And cool, I'm just going to get right into it. So question one, how many days of leave have you taken in the last year? 
I don't know. Um, not, not <laughs> like I, I don't. I'm not one of those people that enjoys it. I, I find taking leave leave frustrating and distracting and annoying. But I think that's very toxic and unhealthy, and other people should not follow that. And <laughs> what was your proudest moment with Ian? Um, I'm not sure. Pride is a feeling like. I feel lucky to work with lots of people. I think we just, we're going to hit hundred percent consumer retention on cohorts this time around, which I just know is insane. And literally I've not heard of any company ever doing that. And I'm kind of excited about that. So that's pretty cool. Um, that makes that's me feel, amazing. that makes me feel hopeful that this could be a thing. Really cool. What was one time that you felt like you let even down? Oh, every day. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> every fucking day man uh i every think every time you open a youtube video <laughs> no no that's that's just priced in uh no i think we were very naive with regulators at the start we 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 did the whole like tech move fast break things we weren't respectful we were naive and when i say we that was me and i think we even the company suffered for the naivety of me as one of the co-founders and that's really terrible um but will work. We will fix it. Take some time. Uh, no one's made me feel too guilty about it, but you know, <laughs> that's his life. What was your biggest sacrifice to make even possible? Um, hmm. No, I don't know. I think it's been pretty good. Um, like I miss some of my friends. I'm actually, you know, I miss all my friends, but like some, some of my friends outside of India, <laughs> I miss, I miss spending time with them, being around them. That's a bit sucky. Um, but I've made some amazing new friends in India. So that's fine. Uh, but like, yeah, the only thing is I wish I could see my, my, my parents are here all, all the time. They're literally here every six weeks. So that's <laughs> fine. My family is here anyway. Um, the biggest one is, yeah, just missing some of your friends. Birthdays, parties, cool. weddings, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I think even, even we felt that when we were over in the UK because we, <clears throat> I used to study there. Yeah. And, and like we used to study together and then we were working there, Jambi still in the UK. Oh, amazing. But cool, what healthcare, what healthcare did you have before even? Here's a really awkward thing. I still don't have it even after even. We have like company insurance <laughs> and at some point I will buy like a retail cover. So I'm just like, yo, I've got the company one. I'm good. I like, you know, if I, I would like to think, I know I'm going to be at this company for a little while. So I'm just like, even does corporate, you know, I'm covered by us, but actually like a lot of our members buy their own stuff and I'm kind of like, it makes sense and I should, but you know, I'm not planning on leaving this job anytime soon. So <laughs> there is that. I bought it for all my family though. Um, well, I bought it, yeah, I bought it for my family. Um, but I guess for me, I'm kind of like, well, you know, I use it every day, so <laughs> terrible. Fair enough. Uh, who's your strongest competitor? Oh, uh, this is like, what did Netflix say? Sleep, right? Um, illness, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think, I don't really think about it, like strong, I, I think this is such a big problem that I want someone it would be so much uh, better if there were other people solving this problem. So, you know, I think we have an amazing team, but some of it is like, you know, we're making it up as we go along. Uh, I think the really interesting realization you seem to come to when you're like, 
everyone is making it up as they go along. And I think that's the biggest difference between like me now and maybe me 10 years ago when you thought, oh, the world is run by these ubermenches that know exactly what they're doing. Like there's all a grand plan and like you just need to learn from them. And actually I'm just like, wow, it's, um, you saw that meme, right? That kind of, the more you fuck around, the more you find out. Yeah. That is, yeah. I'm disappointed at how true that is. Uh, and how actually that seems to be everyone's strategy. But let's see. Cool. Um, what is the biggest embarrassment you've ever faced? Cringe, cringe, cringe. I've had some cringe moments, man. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did a... I did a... I, so I did the union at college, um, which is like a debating society. And I was bad. I had like the show beat today <laughs> and I was bad. And the worst was like, I think it's easier when, um, when you're disastrous, right? Like, cause then you can be like, oh, something just went wrong. And oh yeah, like people give you a free pass. They're just like, oh my God, it yeah. was just so disastrous. And this is just, I was bad. I was <laughs> lower than average. And that was the worst one when you know people are saying, oh yeah that was really good yeah yeah and you know that they think you were shit you know you were shit but they're too polite to say it whereas if you just completely frozen up it's easier right because then they're like oh it happens to everyone it's like this one's like oh my god that was bad that was, yeah. <laughs> Not good. all right do you prefer books or podcasts neither i oh i'm sorry yeah articles <laughs> articles for the win i'm too dumb for podcasts my brain like as i'm listening to something will like go off in four different directions and by the time i get back <laughs> to listening i'm like shit what did i miss uh and i think when it comes to fiction i prefer visual storytelling and when it comes to non-fiction i think most non-fiction books are books because of a lack of business model for articles like, I think, like, there are very, very few nonfiction books that I think justify, like, 50,000 words. They should be a 10,000-word article. Interesting. Yeah. Do you prefer iPads or notebooks? On either. Phone. Notes. <laughs> Just literally the notes app. That is my entire life. I have a to-do list. The notes app is my entire life. Um, I think, yeah, there's, like... Oh yeah, all these like different note-taking platforms. I'm just like, no, it's just write things down. It's not like that. So it's pretty straightforward. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Or in your case, I don't know. Maybe it's afternoon, dusk, or dawn. No, no, no. I I am not a morning person, my man. I think the <laughs> um, the best moment of my life, the moment when I felt at peace with myself, is when I've realized that I'm not a morning person, and I will not try to be. And like. <laughs> Fuck this whole early morning gym thing. No. <laughs> I'm going to wake up at 9.45. I'm going to be in the office for 10. And I'll go and like, I'll sleep at three. That's fine. I'm okay with that. None of this like, oh, let's wake up, do an ice bath at 6 a.m. No, I get it. That's not <laughs> I'm 30 years old now. I'm not that guy. You prefer threads or Twitter? Is threads still a thing? I don't know. I, I prefer to zeet. I prefer to zeet or whatever the hell it's called now. Yeah, no, uh, I actually don't tweet at all, but no, I, I'm very much Twitter is as an addiction. 
I would inject it into my veins. It is so like just information, <laughs> right? Like short, sharp, interesting yeah. information that things in your brain. Um, I love it. Cool. Last question. What's your favorite social media? I want to say Twitter, but like, I actually think I will, I'll think about going to sleep at half two. I'll just start because obviously TikTok's banned in India, right? But I'll open up reels. And then before <laughs> I know it, I'm like, what have I watched? And it's 50 minutes later. And I don't remember a single thing that I watched. And the only good thing is, is like, I think one of the, my most favorite things to do with someone, um, just to mess with them and learn who they are is open up their Instagram and just click on the search icon and just see what are they into. <laughs> uh, and I think that's like amazing. But yeah, I think my favorite is Twitter, but I probably spend a disgusting amount of time just watching food videos. Food videos. Yeah, multi pleasures Instagram. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, like I'm just looking at it now, and I'm got succession memes, rowing videos, grilling action, some pretty good shit. Um, yeah. Cool. So that that concludes our rapid fire segment, which brings us almost to the end of our conversation. Uh, before we let you go, we ask each one of our guests to ask our next guest the question. Uh, so we're going to first ask you your question, and then ask you to give us a question for our next guest. Okay. So your question is, if you um, had an investor coming in and putting in exactly the amount of money required to take the company from that zero to one and really be beneficial for the company, but the trade-off would be you leaving the company, what would you do? But does, does the company get there? Yeah. Yes, oh, the company gets yeah, to the yeah. 100%. Like, oh my God. Like, please, who is this investor? Let me sign. <laughs> I will go off and do like something else. I think the other one was education and upskilling. Cool. Someone has solved this for healthcare. I'll go off and do something else with my life. Please. Ah, that would be amazing. Ideal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's quite cool to have, like, you know, that. Um... Because this is a way, it is a way, you know, specific question. And to have that strong opinion, I think it's, I'm glad that it ended up being you who was answering this yeah. question. So that does bring us um, to the end of our conversation. But man, thank you so much for, for you know, coming on board, giving us your time. Um, we, we really hope you enjoyed the experience as much as we did. No, it was really fun. It, I genuinely, it was really interesting, really good format. Um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I hope I didn't say anything too controversial. Remember, not Swifties feel free, right? <laughs> feel free, guys. That's it. We want her. That's, that's the angle. <laughs> I will take. It. I will take.